Hello and welcome to another episode of the Post Post Podcast, where I talk to creative minds about their inspiring professional journeys. I'm your host, David Gidali, and this is episode three. My guest today is Tomer Eshed. He directed three of the funniest animated shorts I've seen. Our Wonderful Nature is about a water shrew's secret mating habits. Flamingo Pride is about being the only heterosexual flamingo trapped in the Flamingo Pride Parade. And The Common Chameleon is about a chameleon with insatiable appetite. He's currently in production of his first feature animated film, Dragon Rider, which casts includes Patrick Stewart, Felicity Jones, and Freddie Highmore. Now, I don't know much about this feature. There's very little about it, and Tomo doesn't want to say anything, but I highly recommend you guys watch those three shorts. I'm going to put links on them in this episode's description. And even before we start, I recommend stopping watching those shorts because they're very short, but they're hilarious. And pay attention to the character, to the animated character's expressions. A lot of them are kind of... Over the top, but the funny thing is, uh, after meeting Toma in person, you realize they're not really over the top. They're just very similar to Toma's expressions. I'm not saying he looks weird, but I'm saying his, his facial expressions are sometimes over the top. And uh, maybe it can come across his voice when you hear this episode, maybe not. But I can't uh, not see his, you know, imagine his face when he, when he talks and, and uh, it's... it's You know, I don't want to don't want to make too much fun of him, but uh, as you see also as you, you'll hear in the episode, he's uh, probably aware of that to a certain extent and uh, definitely doesn't see it as an insult, uh, which he shouldn't. Um, either way, um, our episode was a lot of fun to record. Tomo is an old friend. Uh, we're both originally from Israel around the same age, and uh, we actually both, I think, went to film school around the same time and um, Uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was really kind of an, uh, a, a fresh discovery when I first found out about him when I was in film school, I think it was 2007. And then I met him personally for the first time in 2008 in Berlin. And, uh, we instantly became really good friends. Uh, and, uh, this conversation is, uh, is pretty much a conversation between two friends, which, uh, makes it pretty much, you know, one of my favorite, uh, episodes so far. And I'm sure you guys are going to, are going to enjoy it too. because Thomas is really down to earth. He's, you know, speaking from his heart, there's no, uh, there's no sugarcoat. Uh, he's uh, sometimes very morbid about what he does and about this whole kind of uh, existence of being a director and, and being in Berlin and being surrounded by people who are might be just as passionate as he is but you know they don't have the same level of uh, responsibilities and and don't ha- need to make the same level of sacrifices uh, but he always sees things with uh, with a good dose of sense of humor and uh, deep down I believe he really loves what he does um, actually I, I'm not even deep down I mean it's pretty clear that he's you know he, he's He's great at what he does and he loves what he does um, and when you see his films it's really interesting that the to see the contrast between how kind of jolly and funny uh, his films are and sometimes how kind of dark he is as a person but it actually makes sense because some of his scenes his films do, do have like a dark undertone and uh, anyway I'm, I'm babbling it's gonna be fun you're gonna enjoy this episode without a doubt uh, we have five more episodes recorded I actually recorded a new episode this week which I'm also very excited to and can't wait to share but you know it's gonna have to wait um, and if you don't want to miss those upcoming episodes you know make sure to follow us on Facebook Twitter Instagram subscribe to the SoundCloud and to uh, Apple podcast uh, we'll be on Stitcher soon and I'm really 
looking forward to launching the website because uh, I think it's going to give a, a better uh, platform to share all the links and uh, videos of uh, work of, of the of the guests because I think a big part of this podcast is not just hearing those people talk but actually you know seeing what they're up to um, appreciating their art uh, and uh, and respecting it by just watching it you know watching experiencing it uh, following them as well uh, and sharing kind of what you discovered with the world but I leave that up to you whether you decide to do that or not either way I give you episode three of the post post podcast <laughs> yeah, I, to be perfectly honest, I don't really call myself anything. <laughs> I, I do what I do. And um, basically, uh, at the moment, I am a film director. <laughs> I guess that, that would be the title. Um, and uh, yeah, basically uh, working in the field of animation uh, for over a decade, uh, concentrating on CG animation, character animation. Interesting. So maybe tomorrow you'll be like man crossing the street, but today <laughs> um, you're a film director. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, the nice thing about animation, I guess, in that sense, you know, I guess, you know, depends what you consider nice. Uh, I consider it anyway nice that the fact that uh, you remain faceless, uh, even in the rare case of success, uh, <laughs> no one really knows how you know animators look like uh, and so you many. like that that's that's something yeah, that you, yeah, you appreciate yeah. in it no no, no, no paparazzi is uh, you know <laughs> waiting for animators <laughs> oh yeah i'm sure you're you're tired of those <laughs> i am for sure it's been the rough yeah. <laughs> uh <laughs> no i i mean i i i agree with you it's interesting i think a lot of direct a lot of live action directors as well can can be faceless you know i mean uh depending on who you i mean not if you're Spiel, spielberg right but you know even um i can imagine you know james cameron walking into a restaurant and not being immediately recognized i mean probably not in la but there's yeah. definitely places <laughs> in the world where where uh you know where he could walk around uh, freely and not be recognized yeah. um or peter jackson or or guillermo del Toro, you know big names but yeah. you know the, the faces aren't necessarily you know uh, as, as uh, familiar yeah but yeah i mean i um it's funny actually that you mentioned faces. I, I was just looking at your short film, uh, all of them actually yesterday, um, just again to kind of refresh my memory as if I need to refresh my memory. Um, but I, I, one of the distinctions, or one of the things that I, uh, that, that I always think about when I see those, those shorts is how much the character's expressions remind me of you. <laughs> Personally, like you're, you know, it's it just you don't you're not like a funny looking person, but you but the expressions uh, that you make in real life uh, are clearly evident also in your character. It's like yeah. I could tell you're watching you're looking at the mirror sometimes when you're animating them. Actually, I don't. That's that's the funny thing, you know. But that's uh, that goes, I guess, for all artists because they say that you know when you're doing drawings that you um, subconsciously always sort of put your your own feature into the drawing, and you can yeah. actually. You can actually see that, you know. I guess, like, not always, but 
yeah, I've heard that before. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess it's a good thing that your natural facial expressions are pretty cartoony. <laughs> so it, it works well with the, <laughs> with the medium. Um, so, um, okay, cool. Thank you. So that, I think that's a good introduction. It's cool. So you're not a, you don't call yourself a filmmaker, but you, uh, but you do things and, and currently you're, you're directing a feature film. What, what can you tell about the feature film at this point? Well, it's, uh, it's, I guess, the most ambitious thing I took on so far. And um, it was basically an opportunity uh, that came along. And uh, it's one of those things that you can't really say no to. And what do you mean by the most ambition, amb- ambitious thing? In what way? Well, animation, as I said, like, you know, it was not something I really planned on. And, uh, and uh, ever since I got into understanding that uh, I'm in the director's shoes and that uh, it's all about filmmaking now, um, I started doing projects, and as we all know, uh, animation is a is a tough field. Like you know, there's no easy way to do animation. Any any animator, regardless of which technique, regardless of which stage, was gonna um, um, basically uh, say the same. It's uh, it's just a long progress that takes a lot of energy and uh and it sounds like you're it sounds like you if you if it was up to you 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 may you you might not have like chosen animation as your medium do you see yourself as like uh do you ever see yourself doing things other than animation like live action live action i don't know i don't think i'm gonna be very good at live action i don't overrule the option but um somehow the having no set (laughs) <laughs> and, uh, and you know being able to just like you know work long and hard and, and on details is something that I think uh, works well with my character um, oh, that's nice but basically yeah I think like uh, it's one of those things that uh, now I can't really imagine myself doing anything else um, and uh, I also discover this world and uh, a lot of it like uh, basically um I think everything that has to do with storytelling is something that uh, was new to me, which I found uh, fascinating. And it was definitely like an enrichment of um, what I had and knew before. And basically, currently, this is uh, where most of my focus is at. So storytelling is something that is new to you. Um, We can maybe, it's a good good chance to kind of uh roll back a bit and uh you mentioned um starting out uh in a, in an art high school and uh not really knowing uh which uh which direction you're going to take after after school um so would you say that like um you kind of uh you were always creative and found yourself making films or have you always wanted to make films and just found the right path in yeah, that's uh, the first option will be more accurate. Actually, I always loved films, and and I have a lot of uh, friends that are into films and filmmakers. And uh, but uh, until I actually started uh, school and uh, got into animation, I never really thought I'm gonna be doing this, uh, like directing. Um, but uh, yeah, like. Uh, in a way, my passions were defined from, I guess this is a, this is an advantage uh, 
I knew that I'm going to choose a creative path. I didn't know exactly which. And, uh, and I was drawing ever since. And at a certain point, I also like uh, discovered music. And then for a while, I didn't know um, exactly what is going to be more important because uh, I kind of found my truth in both of those fields. And, both music and, anime and, yeah. and drawing. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so the years before Berlin, the years that I, the year that I spent in New York and the year traveling after, that was basically the main question I was chewing on. Uh, which one would it be? And it didn't end up being any of them. <laughs> it ended up being something wait, else. Wait, wait, wait. How old were you when you were in, uh, in, in New York? Uh, in New York, I got there three days before the millennium. So that would be... Huh. Huh. 2010, uh, no, 2000. Yeah. That was... Uh, yeah, 18 years ago. You were 23 at the time, I'm, I'm assuming, right? Yeah, a little, a little younger, I guess. Um, yeah, 22, I guess, something like that. Okay. So uh, to those who know, don't know, in Israel, um, you serve in the army usually at 18. Uh, that's pretty standard. So 22 is kind of the time that people are uh, starting to think what they're going to study. It's a bit different right do you, you you went to the army in israel didn't you yeah yeah i did my son and uh, the basically like those uh, the years at the army were the only years in my life that i did not do any creative work i mean i had my guitar and my sketchbook always with me but uh, my job was a medic so uh, basically really? nothing to do with any creative and uh, in a way i thinking back of this now Uh, it gave me some proportion, and I think uh, uh, in that sense it was a good it, it was good years. Uh, I would not repeat that. However, <laughs> <laughs> that was not a. It wouldn't be your first choice, I'm sure. Of no, occupation at, at when you're between your your 18th birthday and your 21st birthday, I guess. <laughs> um, but why why uh, do you think it's a pause? Like, is it somehow you know what makes you? look at that as a positive thing as opposed to, com you know, comparing yourself to other artists. I'm sure you know that you work with who haven't, who haven't like had that experience. Well, I guess, um, I would have just done creative work, uh, uh, if I had the choice and, uh, for sure, you know, the, those years are kind of like, you know, the best years, like in many senses. Uh, so, uh, I guess my development was uh, sort of on hold. But on the other hand, it did give me some sort of a relief from, you know, uh, artistic thoughts. <laughs> and, right. uh, and uh, well, that is something that you eventually learn to appreciate, like, you know, after going to the other extreme. Uh, so it's just like, a, and I actually kind of like the job as well. I like being a medic. I like the idea of, like, taking care of people and uh, trying to fix uh, instead of breaking Um, so, yeah. and I also had like, you know, good people, um, made some good friends and, uh, yeah, in a way, like, you know, I, I guess I was lucky, uh, didn't have to go through anything too bad and, and just like, uh, got to learn an interesting job and, um, well, I, right afterwards I went back into, um, uh, doing, uh, artistic work, uh, full time. So, uh, how, how did that happen? So do you mean right after that you, you had a job or, um, what do you yeah, mean? Yeah. Like uh, right after the army, I didn't have any clue what I want to do. So I, I, <laughs> I, like everyone, 
Um, Started just uh, sketching around because that's what people do when they don't have yeah. a job. <laughs> or like, uh, yeah, I wanted to. I wanted to do a lot of things. I wanted to study. I, I, I don't know. I wanted, but I basically needed money, so I just like uh, took the first job I could and uh, started like um, saving, not really knowing what for or why. But at a certain point, when the, the call came from my friends that were at New York at the time, and they just basically asked me if I'd like to join them, uh, I said, yeah, and I hopped on a plane and went over again without any big plans. Just figured, like, you know, it's time to see the rest of the world. Nice. And uh, do you have any um, artistic uh, background in your family or... Well, uh, you are, are you the are you the black sheep of the family the the one who dared uh, <laughs> uh, not find a real job? <laughs> uh, well, my mom is not very artistic, um, but my dad uh, actually is. However, he did not dedicate his life to his artistic passion until a uh, uh, kind of a uh, late. Um, he was a software engineer for uh, many years. Yeah. And at a certain point, he, um, well, basically, I think he got fed up with it. And uh, he did uh, make a career switch um, eventually. And uh, now he is a core lighter. So, like, basically, music was his passion. And that's basically what he does now. Um, now he's what? What, what is he? He's, uh, he has cores. And he is, like, a direct, basically, showing people how to sing. Oh wow! Yeah, that's kind of what he does. Nice. Uh, so and yeah, you were around? Were you around? Uh, you know, around the house uh, during the time you made the career switch, or? Um, yeah, that no, that came later. My parents got divorced, and uh, and uh, that decision was something he really like. You know, um, took a long time to make, but uh, I think he, he he chose the right path. I mean, he that's where he's true passion is and uh, I, he was also always doing music also before my parents separated like uh, so yeah when we all were living in the same house uh, got to absorb quite a lot of music through him did you ever get any any shit from your parents for choosing the path you chose or were they always uh, supportive of your choices yeah no I never uh, I didn't hear any complaints from my parents <laughs> regarding like a uh, my, my choices good. in that sense. Uh, I think they are also happy with uh, with uh, the way things develop. I guess uh, they are raising an eyebrow every once in a while when when they see how <laughs> demanding this job is or can be. And uh, I don't know. I was just going for always kind of like uh, trying to find new challenges and uh, always going for like. Um, some sort of extreme and because uh, that's where I think like you know most of the interesting things are happening and right. so that was kind of like my natural um, uh, instinct and uh, yeah that's basically definitely what I end up doing and uh, now it's uh, really like um, it's just because animation like animation projects tend to take years and years of your life uh, so uh it's really like, you know, uh, when this one is going to be over so we can have a <laughs> normal conversation again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sure. Oh, man, my, me, and my, me and my mom have the same conversation like on a daily basis pretty much. And it's always about, you know, 
how is work? Did you, you know, did you, do you have a new job? Do you have a new, you know, cause I, cause I work, uh, kind of, uh, independently, uh, chasing, you know, job after job and trying to, you know, trying to yeah. make new films and stuff. It's always, uh, there's always, it's always the main conversation and it's getting tired, you know, it's just that it's always kind of a concern. It's not, it's yeah. never like, Oh, it's just work. It's understandable, but it's hard to explain, especially animation. I mean, like, you know, um, I live not far away from uh, my studio and um, that, you know, if you just observe my life from outside, you know, wake up in the morning, go to the office, sit in front of the computer, work all day and then go back home. You know, it's basically and that's how it looks like from the side, (laughs) trying to explain that you know what uh, that the essence of the job is actually something completely different that uh, uh, basically it's just like a lot going on in your mind and uh, that is it took me a while to uh, understand how hard it is for people to understand that so basically what you're saying is uh, on the outside you seem like the average Joe you know having a kind of nine to five type uh, uh, daily work but uh, but this is deceiving and people that you hang out with or people that are you know exposed to you don't even realize how much uh, different and how much more demanding your kind of your your uh, position as the as a director and and someone who has to kind of come up with uh, lightnings in a bottle on a daily basis is compared to their kind of mundane office work. Well, nine to five is uh, I know I don't think and it's never been nine to five. It's uh, <laughs> what are your work hours today? I don't know. It you know it changes depending on like uh, whether you're crunching or not, and uh, it feels like uh, we've been crunching for for quite a while now. Uh, yeah, I guess like uh, I Yikes. work, I guess ten hours a day, and that is mm. the current average. But it's it's usually. I mean, do you ever take work home? Uh, is there an option? <laughs> Uh, I don't. I don't know how to answer the question. Uh, I, I think that this job is not something that you leave in the office, uh, but just because, like you know, this is exactly the thing. It's uh, storytelling um, has, like you know, so many resolutions, and uh, computer animation is uh, would allow you to go into the finest resolution. It's just a matter of like time and budget. And right. uh, so uh, it's always, you know, your mind is always occupied with like uh, the next resolution and the next resolution until, you know, you're just really like, you know, contemplating uh, whether this <laughs> pixel is going to be this uh, color or, or that, you know. The, the, it, you mean the level of detail, like the, the it just kind of goes from, from abstract to very, very detailed, very, very like uh, yeah. nitpicky. I mean, like, uh, that's also the beauty of it. Like, you know, when you're starting, there's nothing. There's just ideas. You have absolutely, there's absolutely nothing except, like, you know, um, um, what you imagine it could be. And then you start pulling it down from this uh, abstract dimension into something concrete. And uh, that is actually what I love about this job. Uh, you start with, like, you know, writing and, you know, scripting. And writing is, like, a, this is definitely not an easy jo- task uh, just because it's so easy to just, like, uh, write something and then delete it and write it again. 
<laughs> and then, right. uh, and you don't then, have any like guideline. You basically are free form at that point. Yeah, freedom. Freedom is a great thing, but it's also a very confusing thing. <laughs> and uh, I find it scary. I find it like you know, oh my god, I can make so many mistakes here. There's no, <laughs> there's no immediate like kind of uh, uh, right or wrong kind of uh, feedback when you write. So you you can, you know, you basically. That to me, that that seems scary sometimes. Well, it is. I mean, like, um, but uh, and again, like, this is something that uh, um, I uh, haven't done ever since. I just got into this more and more, and yeah, you know. And then, basically, after you have something written which is still abstract, uh, you start making rough sketches in order to try to visualize it, and those sketches. Uh, develop into designs, and those designs develop into models that develop that, that, that gets rigged, and then they start moving around, and then you know. Uh, how how hands-on are you personally? Like, uh, do you ever model yourself or rig yourself nowadays, or do you just mainly kind of sketch and and give the uh, main guidelines to artists? Yeah, well, basically, I don't. You know, all of the technical aspect, like uh, rigging, is definitely not my thing. And uh, I'm coming more from the artistic direction, meaning like concept, form, color, you know, shape. And yeah. uh, that's kind of like, you know, uh, where I'm coming from, whereas I'm, the people I'm working with, with some of them, um, are really coming from the other direction. And uh, I think computer animation is really like uh, one of the fields where um, you kind of need these different qualities Sure, there are like you know yeah, a lot of people, people. A lot of people. There are many people that can do both. You know, have, have like an artistic and a technical um, affiliation. Uh, right. I'm, I'm not one of those. <laughs> <I'm>, uh, <laughs> I understand the technology good enough uh, in order to be able to do my job. But uh, basically, I'm trying to concentrate on the what, and uh, I rely on other people to you know uh, do the same concerning the how. Has that been the case uh, at uh, HFF too, at your film school? I mean, uh, animation school when you went there, in terms of the you know being being more on the creative side and and less on the technical side. Uh, yeah, well, the, I, I don't know how it's now there, but uh, back when the time that I was studying, um, the program was uh, very much focusing on the animation direction, but uh, nothing. It was very very free, so you know people got to choose, um, you know, what kind of projects they, what they want to work on and uh, what kind of techniques they want to, to, to learn. And um, there were not a lot of people in the class. So, you know, and the, the, and the people that were picked were coming from very different uh, directions. So um, collaborating was not that easy because everyone ended up just like diving into their own projects and disappearing. And mm. animation is not a one-man show. Uh, collaboration is actually the name of the game, especially when you're doing like you know complicated uh, um, productions. Uh, right. Some some people you know don't really need anything more than like a you know a time and a and a, and a pen, and uh, and they will basically animate the the whole thing like that. Uh, but in the case of computer animation, uh, well you know. I tried to do this like uh, all myself and uh, realized that eventually uh, there are some things I can do and there are some things I 
can't. And uh, it was a good experience to just go through this process and understanding, like, you know, hands-on what it all means. Uh, but now uh, I don't feel this uh, as a need anymore. Uh, I would right. Well, as, a, as, a, as a student in a, in a small class, how many people go to HFF? In my class, were, uh, we were seven in the class. Seven in your entire year yeah, yeah. Uh, in the animation yeah. department, right? Right. Um, so, I mean, you let's say you start working on a project and you're like, okay, I'm going to do it myself. All my classmates are busy doing their stuff. And, you, you know, you suddenly kind of get stuck or, or realize it's not your strong suit. So you need to rely on someone a bit stronger. What, what do you do then? Like, how did you actually get those films made because i know you did work with some pretty awesome creative you know artists yeah but i think and well i guess luck played a role as well like you know like always uh, but uh, i guess it's not only luck it's uh, it had to do a lot with the attitude as well i i came you know in order to study in germany as a foreigner there are basically two conditions that you need to fulfill one is uh, the language, and uh, the second is uh, getting into a state school. But basically, if you uh, fulfill these two conditions, uh, you, it's a basically, basically it's an open invitation to all of the world. And uh, the attractive part of it is that uh, there's hardly any uh, uh, tuition fees. You, it's uh, not really, you don't have to pay a lot of money. It's, How much is the tuition at HFF? Uh, it's, it's like the same in any other, other uh, state school in Germany. It's, uh, it's practically nothing. <laughs> you practically get, uh, <laughs> really? you, you get like, you know, uh, to, study, to, to study for free. It's a very, very minimal tuition that basically most of it goes on free train rides. So the conditions... If you, if you, get, if you, get, uh, if you get accepted as one of the seven, you know, students... I think there's an average of 10, really yeah. I think, average of 10 yeah. and how many people how many people usually uh, apply uh, I think uh, probably like a hundred thirty or more I don't know I don't really something like that 130. So, I mean, I, bel- I, would, I would imagine it would be more because HFF is definitely, you know, a very well-known and uh, kind of a, a highly regarded school. But even if it's one, you know, 30, 130, it's still, you know, the odds are against you essentially to, to getting in. Yeah, that's, um, that goes for any other school as well. And uh, it, it's, that's exactly the thing. It's a, there's competition, of course, and uh, you kind of need to uh, uh, prepare yourself, you know, specifically for a specific institution. Like, you know, sure, you can just try to send them your stuff and, and if they like it, they'll call you. But uh, that's usually not uh, the way that uh, that works um it's uh oh, really how does it work usually you kind of need to know what to aim for and you kind of need to uh, um uh, design your portfolio accordingly and um, a portfolio is basically has one um uh, fun- basically one objective and that is to get you in a place uh, I, the first portfolio i made the, the, the one i used to apply to an art school with I figured uh, I'm just gonna just like put on the my works, the the works that I like the most, and uh, I'm gonna send it over, and then they're gonna see how talented I am, and then everything is gonna work out. It didn't work out at all. Like you know, I, I was not even summoned to the second round. And uh, mm. so when I did my uh, application to the HFF, I kind of like did some more homework and got in touch with people and got more focused regarding like, you know, what, uh, what is it that I'm trying to achieve actually? 
And, right. and yeah, like, and this is what I would advise anyone who try to go down this path and, and try to basically like uh, study in Germany. And I mean, like, uh, it is a very, very attractive deal basically to, to be able to study for uh, practically free uh, and um, only having to uh, live up to these two conditions. Um, but I think like the main the main thing uh, was actually um, after getting in, um, getting actually to to be productive inside the system, which is very different from uh, what I thought it would be and what I knew before. Um, there's some just how, how so? What, what kind of uh, what was your expectation as far as being uh, you know successful in school and and uh, in getting kind of getting by? Well, basically, I I only knew the format uh, that I knew before from Israel, which is basically the American format, uh, which means you pay a lot of money, and then you get your ass kicked for a couple of years, and then if you survive <laughs> that, you're ready for the market. <laughs> That's in, in, in do a, your homework. <laughs> in a nutshell, there's a yeah. lot of uh, you know it's very competitive. There's a lot of uh, uh, demand. But um, basically, it's always external pressure that is pushing you forward. And um, in Germany, generally, and um, HFF uh, specifically, uh, that's uh, entirely different in that sense. Uh, the, 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 the whole um, uh, philosophy behind, behind studies is like, all right, congratulations, you got in. Now you get to uh, study for free and you have like, you know, all of these great conditions. Uh, here's access to uh, uh, technology and some other people that are doing the same. Uh, here are some teachers that can answer you some questions if you have any. And here's some time that you can use to do something. If you're going to do something, great, you'll have something. If you're not going to do anything, well, you, too bad for you. Uh, oh, it's yeah. completely up to the students to uh, make something out of their studies. And um, if basically you choose not to, well, you know, uh, sure, they're not going to like it, but no one's going to kick you out. You know? uh, Did you find that uh, in some cases people, students have chosen to take that path and have kind of suffered or, or ended up, you know, leaving with less well, value? Or? Well, yeah, well, it's... It, it, Comparing those two systems, like I wouldn't go ahead and say this is better and this is worse. It's just like uh, it depends eventually on the person. For some personalities, uh, some people can only be productive if uh, they have uh, uh, someone uh, telling them what to do. And other people um, can thrive if you just give them like you know greenhouse house conditions, which is basically what the HFF was. So yeah, I, I can say for myself it was it worked out very well because I, I can self-motivate myself and I also I always knew I can do that that is something that came was natural for me but I could I sure I saw like you know other people uh, basically losing their focus and uh, yeah getting confused and uh, uh, what do you think where do you, where do you think that comes from your your ability to like self-motivate is just something kind of was always always had with you or did you ever feel like you had to kind of remind yourself or, or work on that 
Yeah, well, I, I never had the fear of the white page, you know. I thought, like, you know, okay, like, uh, if you have some thoughts and uh, that could turn into something, you know, and you can basically grab a piece of paper and just, like, draw a couple of lines that would express those thoughts, and, you know, you have something to begin with. And that's not hard, yeah. you know. That's really not hard. You just, like, you know, you just, like, uh, go ahead and do that. And, um, and then once something is there, then, you know, you can start actually, like, you know, um, making it more. And uh, I know that this is not um, elementary. I know that for a lot of people, uh, that is exactly where the biggest block comes from. And then and, and the dreadful, you know, blank page. What am I going to do? There's so many ways to fail. Yeah, it's, yeah. We already <laughs> talked about that. Um, so you never had that fear. Um, I guess, you know, it, it's hard to talk about something you don't <laughs> feel you don't have. Uh, I, had, I, I had other fears, <laughs> if you want to talk about them. Um, <laughs> For sure, yeah. <laughs> tell, tell me, please. <laughs> well, it's basically like uh, um, uh, if our creative expression was something that I always felt like, you know, uh, is uh, combined with, uh, with, with joy, with fun. Uh, in a way, drawing always uh, was an outlet for me to sort of like, you know, um, uh, deal with negative feelings. I don't know, like, you know, if I was wasn't going through some hard times or like I had my problems and I just like, in a way, like, you know, uh, drawing became, uh, was my way to sort of like, you know, uh, diffuse those feelings and sort of like, you know, somehow transforming something that is like you know negative into something that maybe could be uh, regarded as positive and yeah. uh, with music it was sort of the opposite that's where i always when i felt very happy i felt like you know uh, a need to express that through, through music um huh. film was and then we would, it would take you down and turn you uh, into a melancholic uh uh, and you know, uh, nerve wreck, or <laughs> no, <laughs> you're saying the opposite. No, I mean, like, uh, I always felt like you know, uh, feel uh, I need to, I don't know, like, uh, do music uh, when I was just like very happy. This was the, the most natural thing for me to do is like you know, some, somehow express this happiness like through music, and withdrawing is sort of the other way around. Um, but I ended up doing films, and film is not this and not that. Uh, film was the, uh, what I studied and uh, what eventually became my job. Um, <laughs> but animation is kind of exactly where the, those uh, two things, two, two disciplines sort of meet. Like, you know, it's, uh, it's drawing on one hand, and it's uh, time, you know, the, the time that uh, com combined with time. And, uh, and then there's the whole drama aspect that comes along to, uh, to it, which uh, also uh, end up being something I really found fascinating. So um, there's, I wanted to ask what, uh, what comes more naturally to you? Uh, the, um, you know, the creative, like kind of drawing and, and, and being, uh, being artistic on, on page or working with the team, you know, doing, being, doing the legwork of a director, which is more like psychological, dealing with people, communicating. Yeah, well, I guess right now, um, uh, well, over the last two years, ever since we started working on this project, uh, I was kind of doing both. And um, basically, like, you know, uh, 
character design being where I, I was coming from, you know, to begin with, like, into this field, because that's what I was basically drawing before, mostly characters. Um, yeah. And uh, so, yeah, that's basically where I, I feel um, comfortable, and uh, that's kind of like, you know, my, my, my safe zone. And the whole um, directing part or like writing or directing, this is something that, you know, I, I had to like learn as well, like, you know, uh, through the years with different projects just by doing. Right. And um, yeah, right. Well, now we're s- switching slowly from pre-production into production, which means I will be um, mostly directing and there's, I, I, I wouldn't need to draw so much. Even though I think the pen is still gonna be uh, my main tool, uh, we have like a, it's just a very efficient way to to show people what you mean, what you want. It's just like you know, you just draw it, you know. So you use your pen more than your voice, would you say, in terms of like you know, as as a means to to uh, convey what you want to your to your crew, to your team? Well, at the moment, it does, I don't really have a choice because uh, the production is divided on there are four studios working on it, and uh, I also need to communicate with uh, people that are um, working uh, somewhere else. And oh, interesting. We are where, where are they working in in Munich? Yeah, there's a there's. Two studios in Munich and uh, one studio in Belgium. And uh, basically, uh, we're using Shotgun, which is a very um, good tool, I guess, for uh, for this sort of job. And that just allows me basically to draw on top of anything. <laughs> yeah, I can basically, <laughs> regardless of what... Do you draw work. on people? Can you come to a person and be like, this is how I want you to look, and you just draw on your faces? Maybe it's going to come to that. I don't know. I hope not. <laughs> Sounds like if you have a shotgun, you'd be able to get away with that as well, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's basically like, a, it's, a, it's an efficient tool. And, um, and since we are talking about basically visuals, um, you know, it's just like uh, easier to just draw a couple of lines than just describing, finding the words to describe those lines. And uh, right. so I would just like uh, go ahead and do that. And I think uh, eventually it's, uh, yeah, it's proved itself to be an efficient way to do things. Uh, however, nothing beats personal contact. So I guess I, I would have to uh, spend a lot of time now in the upcoming you know, until the film is going to be released and uh, just working as close as possible with the people. Um, yeah. Especially in, because now we're going into animation and, you know, it's just basically acting out stuff and uh, working with people that are basically the actors. Right. Um, are you also uh, taking videos of yourself and using that as, as a way to convey, like, um, poses uh, and things like that or, no, or less of that? Not so much, no. I mean, like... Um, you, sure. you let the the animators do that part of well, thing. Yeah, I mean, like you know, it's, it's sure it's it's a it can be very helpful for an animator to just like have a video reference in order to understand better, like you know, um, what's the idea behind like a, a shot, and uh, me having like you know uh, my unique uh, <laughs> facial features. Exactly, I think uh, your animators have to be able to, you know. Yeah. Know you quite well. Well, I mean, like, uh, so far we managed to do it this way, and uh, I guess, <laughs> like, you know, we're gonna, it's gonna be just easier for everyone to have, like, you know, uh, to work um, closely together. 
Um, or you could just uh, do you just like hire animators based on their ability to mimic your facial expressions? <laughs> no, I don't. I don't really see myself in each one of the, of the characters, <laughs> and we have a lot of characters. Can you can you can you like you know, talk a little bit about the film you're making, or is it very very secret? I mean, you, we know that it's called Dragon Rider, right? It's, yeah. it's a film about dragons. Um, what else can you say about it at this point? Well, basically, um, it's a it's a fantasy book adaptation of a novel, also called Dragon Rider, that was written by a German fantasy author called uh, Cornelia Funke, and she lives in LA. And oh. um, I think it was her first novel, or at least the first successful uh, uh, novel that uh, became a bestseller. And nice. um, it was released, it was published in the late 90s, so it's uh, a while ago. Right. And so. uh, it was basically not adapted so far. And, um, well, it took a while, longer than I thought, to actually find a project that everyone could uh, be happy with. Uh, just because uh, it needs to justify animation, and it needs to be like also like um, uh, affordable and uh, attractive. So just, yeah, just, just to roll back, uh, you're describing a situation which um, I, I don't think a lot of people are familiar with. You were talking, you were actually in touch with the producers before you knew which film you're going to make. They basically said, you know, hey, we like your stuff. What do you want to do next? Is that was that the situation? More or less, yeah. Uh, when I that's, start, pretty, that's pretty awesome. I mean, it's pretty unique. I know, I know, it's been agonizing to like kind of go around and trying to find that project, but like being in that situation in the first place, where you have, you know, you, you basically someone is, try, you know, wants you to to make a film and is like, come on, you know, come back to me, tell me what you want to do. Is it's pretty. It is. It is very unique and uh, definitely like uh, again something uh, I figured like you know nothing's gonna beat this. However, it did come with a, uh, with a set of restrictions, basically, and that is uh, not right. everything I pitched uh, was relevant. Uh, it had to fulfill certain criteria, and that is eventually what took so long. The reason it took so long to actually find a project, and we came close with other uh, with other projects as well, but uh, just never happened for different reasons. And uh, with uh, Dragon Rider, it finally did. So uh, I was, first of all, relieved <laughs> that, uh, you know, because uh, it took about two years to actually, wow. uh, and I was at the point where I was thinking, okay, this is uh, great on paper, but it's, if it's not going to, like, sound, manifest itself somehow, um, yeah, I'm not really doing anything. So, um, so what did you do in the course of two, two years besides looking for projects? I mean... Did you, you know, I mean, I'm sure after a while you, you get to the point where it's like, is this ever, like you say, is it ever going to actually manifest itself and materialize into something? And, you know, you, you just for two years, you, you actually spent all your time like it's, hunting that project? Yeah, basically looking. And that means uh, reading a lot. I yeah, read a lot of um, children books, you know, which are basically the first uh, uh, address when you're looking for an adaptation for, uh, for a family entertainment film. Right. And, uh, well, you know, there's just so many books and you can't read all of them and you can't even read all of, uh, only just like, you know, the, the, the log lines. <laughs> it's, just, it's just like a ridiculous amount of, uh, of, of um, 
potential that lies behind like you know these stories and um, then you know even if you find something that you like and uh, that would actually justify the use of the technique uh, the producers need to like it as well and they look at it from their angle and that is basically how many copies did it sell how how what kind of guarantee are we going to get uh, that this thing is going to turn into a successful movie regardless right. of the talents involved it's just a mathematical thing so how how kind of close to the source material you feel like you guys are did you guys veer, uh, veer off away from it or do you guys kind of keep uh, keep true to the to the novel well basically uh, when we started that, writing the script it uh, um, I read the book I liked it and um, and I thought yeah there's you know uh, we can work with this definitely uh, it's just that uh, some things had to be different in the film just because a book is a book and a film is a film. It's just two different right. different uh, mediums that shouldn't be compared actually just because uh, it's a different ball game in uh, each one. And uh, In our case, uh, Dragon Rider is a fantasy novel written for young readers basically. And yeah. um, it uh, lives and it got successful because of its uh, unique uh, qualities. And um, those qualities, you can't just translate on screen uh, one-to-one because it's not going to work. And right. that was yeah. also something that I was quite aware of from an early stage. So some changes have to happen. So I guess the first and most obvious one is the, first, is the fact that... Uh, well, it's a 450-page novel, and it just won't fit into 90 minutes. So right. that's, we're going to have to filter a lot, like, uh, uh, can, just like uh, which parts of the book we're actually going to use. Uh, but how, did you, how, how did you make that sort of de- determination that uh, 450 pages will, will not fit? Did you actually try to like lay it all down in, in script form and like figure, okay, this is just too many scenes. There's no way. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's, it was just basically quite obvious just that this uh, volume is not going to just like, you know, we're going to have to uh, do a couple of movies if you want to actually fit everything in. Yeah, and okay. that was clear from a, quite an early stage. And also like, you know, uh, uh, communicated with the producers and the author and and, and yeah that's something that's basically i think it happens pretty much in every uh, book adaptation or like novel adaptations um the second thing that we actually had to change was uh, the tone and fantasy books in general even if in this case if it's like a aim for children and therefore have uh, is uh, lighter and uh, it, basically they are not very funny uh, there right. there's a lot of uh, not a lot of example of of of, of funny um, fantasy uh, stories somehow right. uh, um, they t- tend to be serious and uh, <laughs> we are doing uh, an international uh, like a family entertainment film that is basically going to aim for international audience. And, uh, and if anybody's seen your stuff, they know that, you know, you were probably hired based on the fact that you make funny short, I mean, funny animation. Like there's, you're not, you know, high drama is not really your, your main bread and butter before that, was it? That's true. And uh, that was also one of the reasons the, the, the producers wanted to, 
worked with me from the beginning. They saw that there is like a entertainment potential in the, in the stuff that I do. And that is right. exactly what they wanted to try to bring across on the big screen. And that means that uh, trying to do that, it, it, basically what it means is to adapt the story as a comedy. And, yeah. uh, and uh, that was something that was uh, very important for them as well. And uh, just because um, commercial animation, um, you know, family entertainment films um, need to be fun and funny uh, if they, if they, in order to be successful. Uh, yeah. If you go ahead and make a, 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 a more serious uh, sort of uh, film in this format, it would qualify automatically as an art house film. And uh, will be more like you know uh, will appeal more to festival audience uh, or maybe more mature audience, but kids being the primary target audience, uh, yeah, like you know, um, you gotta keep it like uh, fun and funny. You know, I, I'm I'm curious because it's a cool kind of it, it's a good maybe opportunity to to uh, to say that you. Um, you also have a, an animation company that you opened in Berlin, right? Uh, Lumatic. Yeah. Um, where you do animations, but uh, it almost sounds like from you know it, because we haven't really discussed uh, you know your your, your films, your your uh, thesis film from HFF and and uh, Our Wonderful Nature, your second year film, which uh, which got a lot of success. Um, it almost sounds like this is just a natural occurrence like you know someone decides to you know doesn't really know what to do with themselves they go to you know some animation school and uh before you know it they're directing features that's not the case is it i mean you had to you you had uh you had uh to do some pretty damn impressive uh short films that got a lot of international attention like you know won some major festivals seagraph and and uh you actually went to pixar and you screened your thesis film there flamingo pride right which you rendered through renderman i mean there's a lot of there's a lot that you had to that you went through uh and a, a lot that you have accomplished before you even got that opportunity to like you know pitch whatever film it is you want to make to some you know to, to producers in in berlin wasn't there yeah for sure i mean like uh, but none of this was planned like you know i never set any of those things as a goal that i need to want to reach and then now i need to find a way of how to do it um the first like a wonderful nature the the first one was um basically um conceptualized as a as an exercise for 3d basically like you know trying to learn how to use this tool uh, called a computer and that came after like you know uh, I, th- I just like rationally figured that you know if i want to work after school as well i should probably learn how to use this machine um, it's really funny because it's like I mean I really encourage people to watch this short film it's 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 so fun I watched it again yesterday with my girlfriend and we both had such a good laugh and um, in short it's basically about uh, it, it's a parody on a nature documentary about water shrews uh, um, uh, mating habits <laughs> and, uh, and um, it's uh, there's a really funny I'm not even gonna uh, you know reveal it because I feel like it's such a fun kind of uh, you know, uh, reveal in such a short film, but, uh, it gets very, 
quote unquote serious very quickly uh, on how those two water shrews are going about trying to win this uh, female water shrews, uh, you know, heart. <laughs> um, and um, I remember you telling me something like, it, is, is that something you did you do capoeira or was it your, <laughs> your brother or something who, yeah. who used that kind of? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I did, uh, yeah, back then, like, trained a little bit of that. Uh, basically, the whole um, the whole attitude towards this project was trying to make the most out of uh, a 3D uh, computer animation. Uh, I was basically asking myself, what can you do with this, uh, with this uh, uh, form of animation that you simply cannot do in any other form? And uh, basically, that those thoughts led me to the conclusion: Hey, actually, creating um, the illusion of something being real while it's actually not uh, is one thing that you can do, uh, definitely. Uh, of course, if that's the goal, you should probably take a camera and go and shoot it because it's going to be easier and cheaper. Uh, exactly. But the fact is you can play around with, uh, if you can create the illusion that something is real, you can actually play around with it as well. And that is something that I found attractive. And again, like, you know, also like, you know, simple features like a uh, slow motion, you know, which is something that you can easily do in 3D, but uh, not so easily <laughs> if you're drawing in or doing uh, yeah. like puppets or, um, so yeah, just like basically trying to focus on the, on the on the main features that uh, that would basically like you know that are unique for 3D, and combine it in some sort of like um, uh, some sort of like setting that is going to be minimal, and just basically down to the point. So basically, in that film, it was like one set, one lighting setting, uh, basically one model that three characters were made of, and then a little bit. Uh, a few, like, you know, uh, individual um, image that we basically produced uh, for, the, for the opening titles. And that, that, but basically, this is a very compact sort of film. I have to say that this, uh, this way that you just described, kind of like the goals and, uh, and um, you know, logic behind making this specific film are, you know, so evident in the film itself, especially after watching it, you know, very recently. Mm-hmm. Um, that it's almost uh, eerie. It's like usually, you know, I mean, I know from my experience, I go out, I make a film, you know, I always have, you know, uh, some, some, you know, various aspirations in the film, you know, some, some sort of uh, uh, thing I want to explore, some uh, technical test I want to uh, apply or whatever it is. But it's rarely, I think it's rarely, it rarely manifests itself in such a coherent and like clear way as like when you described right now, um, all the different kind of uh, goals that you had uh, creatively and technically to, for this film, it is just amazing how, uh, how evident it is that it all, you know, was, was thought through and used and, and how it actually like, and, and at the same time, it's a very entertaining film. So at the bottom of the thing, I I kept kind of uh, thinking it, you know, when you were talking about, you know, this is a damn well written, you know, short film, it's well paced. It's a very, you know, uh, every moment, every beat is kind of, you know, carefully put together and, you know, that in itself is a huge achievement, not to, you know, let alone to, to, you know, talk about all the other things, which is like, everything you said is, is very clear once you're watching the film. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it, it's photo real and, 
at the same time, it's impossible. And at the same time, it makes, you know, uh, it's efficient on this and that level. And it's like, I, I just say, I just want to say I'm, I'm, I'm very, uh, like, standing ovation to, to specifically, you know, uh, not only achieving to do a film like this, but being so uh, accurate about uh, your kind of aspirations and your um, and and the kind of um, um, you know um, uh, pros of 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 the of the, of the medium, oh, you know. And yes. I mean, like you know, this uh, the whole thing was basically pretty much in, improvised. So, like in, in terms of like the conceptual uh, layers. Um, I didn't have any storyboards. I didn't really have an, uh, any idea of like you know how uh, these films are being made. I, I figured like you know this concept is sounds like you know a, a good playground uh, to just like you know because I, I didn't really have a script. Uh, I I just knew okay that's the idea of the movie if it starts like this and then we switch into this whole slow motion bit and then it ends the way it ends and it's just like you know I figured okay now if it's gonna be like this or like that it doesn't really matter so much you know that's the idea and if I can get this yeah. idea across then it's hopefully gonna work you know you never really know that no guarantees so, um, <laughs> so it sounds like you're almost like kind of an accidental tourist into <laughs> in, into this but. But I mean, if if you are, then I gotta say it's the, one of the you know uh, most amazing accidents I think I've, I've <laughs> heard about because it's like if you if you set out to make this film not being sure that you know it's the it's you know w- without the technical expertise and the technical technical know how uh, it's almost like you kind of had uh, this crazy thought that turned out to be true but you didn't really know until you started well i started it off alone and this kind of like you know uh, connects to uh, what we were talking about earlier uh, regarding animation not being a, a one-man show and that eventually like you know finding the right people to collaborate with is eventually right. what it's all about so um i was working about a year on a wonderful nature and um, alone, trying to you know fight my way through the different stage of three D production. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I had the concept, and uh, and I was confident about the concept. I just figured it's gonna be like a funny joke. And um, and I uh, thought, okay, now I need to. I just need to do this and that. You know, just to model the characters and model the set, and you know, get the and get them the, to move around enough. You know to be able to um, carry the performance through. Right. And, uh, and uh, yeah, I was fighting through each and every one of those steps. And, like, uh, ended up investing way more time than you actually would, you know, need to as a professional doing all of these things. How long is the short? It's five minutes. And how long did you work on it? Altogether. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so... I basically worked alone on the, on the on the show for a year, and managed to get the whole thing sort of uh, roughly animated in a, in a play blast form, <laughs> uh, and that was basically the, the that was also the deadline of the project. I, I, we had a year to do something. Okay. So the film the film was far from ready, uh, 
but you could watch it, you know, you could watch it and see it was basically... Uh, Do you still have it? Can, can Is it possible to see it somewhere? Somewhere, yeah, for sure. I mean, the, the blocking, the... but one major aspect of the concept was like, you know, creating the illusion that it's actually a real nature documentary, like, you know, in the beginning, for example. Yeah. And that is something I completely underestimated. I just figured, okay, I'm just going to find the right buttons to click in order to get this effect. But it's, <laughs> it turned out to be a bit more tricky. And, uh, <laughs> real is not as easy as you might think. <laughs> <laughs> and that was also where I found my, my, my personal like boundary. Where I figured, okay, I, I managed to do this. Uh, I, this is here when we're starting to like deal with like uh, how to render fur and stuff like that. And back in the day was like tricky. Uh, right. I, I said, okay, this is I cannot do this alone. I need I need help. <laughs> And that's where well, a little bit of luck, but I guess also um, uh, the attitude and, the, and eventually the, the, the project itself um, uh, helped me to just like find people that could help me exactly on those points and then uh, ended up hooking up with the... Uh, uh, with, uh, with Dennis, you met Dennis, and uh, eventually yeah. later on with the rest of the people that are still my colleagues till today. And oh, so is Dennis on your feature as well? Yeah, yeah, we're basically the same core team uh, going. Oh wow, going. that's so cool! So he was also on Flamingo Pride, right? Yeah, yeah. So Flamingo Pride is your thesis film, and I I remember us talking about uh, this one uh, at, at one point. I asked you because the thing about that I found. You know, there's a lot of things about Flamingo Pride, which are damn right in, in, insane, you know, like in terms of technically uh, you, you undertook a, a huge uh, challenge in, in, and not just one, but like several. I feel like you you made a, a, a student thesis film that has uh, crowd simulation uh, featuring uh, thousands of creatures that have feathers on them and they're all in a pond which is a liquid surface which anybody who's knows anything about 3d knows that's a challenge in itself and on top of everything it was all in stereoscopic 3d when you made it and it was not you know some well even today i don't think a lot of you know thesis uh 3d projects uh come out in stereo um Maybe even less so today than they might have back then yeah. because <laughs> things have shifted. But but back then it was crazy, and I was like, "Why, Tommy? Like, why are you shooting yourself in the leg?" And and you said something uh, really interesting that really inspired me at the time, you know. And uh, you probably know what what it is, so maybe I'll just let you say. I don't like, what, know. What was the logic behind it? Do you remember what you said? I don't exactly know what you're referring to. I remember you saying something like. You know, if you're going to um, basically, you know, recruit people and you want them to be, the, you know, the top of their game, people that could work on big productions and stuff like that, you have to offer them a challenge that other places don't offer them. Mm. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and I found that interesting because, like, you know, I would think the opposite. I would think people would, you know, look for the easy route. And if you came to them and you're like, oh, you know, I needed to do a ton of work for me <laughs> and like I need you to basically commit to not having a life in the next few months um, the last thing you want to say is and I want it to be in stereoscopic 3D but apparently it makes somehow a weird kind of in a weird uh, uh, twist and, and kind of um, double negative thing it's like it's actually something that I've, I've, I think you said would 
propel them to 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 choose your project over other projects if it if it gives them a challenge or if it puts them in a situation where they get to uh learn something new experience like uh, a technology that otherwise you know that other studios are not dealing with like giving them a um something juicy to chew on <laughs> as opposed to to asking them to do the same thing all over again yeah well i think it just basically comes all comes down to curiosity if you have a curious team uh, of of talented artists and uh, talented technicians a lot can be achieved um and i feel i think that you know that's basically the essence of my job is to keep people curious about like you know how it's all gonna turn out in the end if you're just gonna do this and that and that and that and that and that do you feel like that's uh, something that motive that that kind of drives you as a as a director as a leader of a team um you really that that's like the you know is, is it something a functional kind of um method that you use daily day to day to like you know um uh, motivate people in in this work is keeping them curious and keeping them excited i think this is the most important thing uh, basically like you know if you consider all the aspects of like you know what turns uh what n- <laughs> what makes sense you know because this job doesn't make sense <laughs> it's way too much work <laughs> it's way too much work for something that is just like for the most of the people is considered just completely um unnecessary <laughs> even if you're talking about like you know big commercial productions you know it's just a cartoon <laughs> and uh, like spending two years on two water shoes uh fighting over a female water shoe <laughs> definitely seems insane and unnecessary yeah i don't know like you know um three years putting three years into like you know, throwing a gay flamingo rave or uh, I don't know <laughs> what I'm doing right now like uh, making dragons fly around um, <laughs> basically yeah yeah and, and there's a lot of truth to that you know it's basically it's you know films you could basically say it I know it sounds harsh but you know you can generally say that films are made to be forgotten you know, some of them sticks more in memory than others, and some of them, like, you know, have definitely more, contribute more than others. But a film is a film, you know? And uh, Yeah, but back to the motivation thing and keeping, like, how do you, how do you do that? Like, what, what is an example, like, on, uh, on a daily basis when you talk to your, your artists, your creative collaborators, how, what, what is it? What is the tool, for instance, or, or how do you oh. utilize this tool of, of keeping them curious? Um, but that's exactly the thing. This is exactly where it comes down to, because considering the fact that from many rational aspects, uh, this job doesn't make any sense, you know, uh, it's basically uh, you have a lot of people that still choose to do it, you know, <laughs> they choose to do it right. because they love it. You know, that's pretty much it. You know, they love uh, the, you know, the, 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 the artistic and uh, technical outlet that allows them to basically express their talents and their passion. And, uh, and basically, you know, hey, everyone likes, loves cartoons. <laughs> I haven't seen anyone just like, you know, walking down the street protesting that this got to stop. Right. So basically, uh, you have a lot of people that uh, want to basically do this and knowing everyone knows it's not going to be easy it's not an easy job it's going to be very demanding and you're going to be very invested in it and uh, it's going to uh, you know it's going to come with sacrifices and it's uh, it's going to you know it's just the it's it's the package and um considering all of these things um 
you kind of need to have a good answer to the question, why am I doing what I'm doing, you know? Uh, because uh, this question is going to surface uh, anytime it's going to get a little tough. Yeah, I mean, I, I get that. And I get that, you know, the uh, people go to, to the office every day, um, you know, knowing they're going to, you know, they each have their, their own task or they're going to be given a task, you know, whether it's to animate this shot or that shot. And there's this kind of curiosity and that involves, you know, naturally with the creative process, like what is this character going to end up doing? How am I going to achieve this and that, you know, thing. But like from your perspective as a director, someone who's kind of, you know, walking in the room a few times a day and, and, and getting, getting like peeks in, uh, into the process and, and giving guidelines. Um, how do you take that kind of theory into practice? How do you make sure, for instance, that when you give a note to an animator, they they take it as a an opportunity to explore, do something new, as opposed to taking it as as a oh my god, it means I'm going to have to go home like two hours later. Uh, I don't know, I don't know that. <laughs> let's let's, <laughs> let, let's be just talk with that. Basically, what the way I see it, like you know, if cur- curiosity dies, uh, it's just a job. It's just for the money. And then you have a team of people basically uh, aiming for the minimum. Basically, like, you know, let's see how I work the less and earn the most, you know. And uh, with this attitude, you can't do anything that's going to be actually worth watching afterwards. And do you think, that, let's say, if you made Flamingo Pride in 2D as opposed to 3D, um, you were more at risk of curiosity dying at some point? I think I would be more in the risk of uh, people dying at some point. <laughs> so if you try to hand animate, like, you know, uh, uh, I don't know. Oh, no, no. I, no, I didn't mean like a classical. <laughs> no, that no, hell no. No, I, I meant like just, you know, the choice of going stereo versus uh, uh, you know, traditional kind of... Uh, oh, stereo aspect. Uh, Yes. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. Well, talk, yeah, because that, that's how we got into like the this thing, which is like you know, using that as a motivator. You know, using using challenges like technical challenges. I'm sure also creative challenges, like as a motivator to motivate people. Yeah, the, um, the, the stereo aspect is just basically like you know, add another camera and render it again. Uh, it's like um, it's not uh, it's not basically like you know the, the the thing I would say like you know the, the most significant thing. No, the fact is like you know we had a little budget. I had like you know. Some budget from the school, and we also like you know uh, half independently produced this movie, uh, and uh, so we could pay something, and uh, right. that was not a lot, and definitely not enough. Uh, mm-hmm. But then you know it's just like uh, hey, but you are doing this party, you know, want to join? And <laughs> with that, with this, with this attitude, uh, people you know say you know what, yeah, well, I have this job here, and it pays much better, but it's basically like an you know, animating. Uh, I don't know some toothpaste flying going from left to right, and it's gonna take me like you know seven months to do it, and I'm probably gonna hate myself at the end for doing it. But hey, you know it pays the pays the pays the rent. Well, yeah, I guess that's a, that's a good point, and and I think something that uh, keeps kind of motivating me and and other people in our field to do what we do is that you know we we have this kind of job where. The pro- you can use the project itself to motivate your your crew as opposed to like you know I don't know an, an accounting firm or whatever someone who's you know they might be really good at what they do and they might get really excited about you know uh, being you know very efficient create you know creating more efficiencies and just being good at it but like you know it doesn't really matter to to them at some you know sometimes uh, well, if, whether they're working on and you know on a nonprofit uh, you know type uh, project or or whatever it is because it's ultimately the same 
work at the desk? Yes and no, because uh, what I was always focusing on, and I think that this is also the reason that I, I was hired for this job now, eventually, is um, the added value, you know? Uh, what, um, how can you uh, squeeze out more out of um, uh, given conditions? And um, there is no instruction book for that. It's basically the only way that you would be able to squeeze out more than what you, uh, than the capacities that you have, is if it's only if everyone involved is going to invest more. And people end up investing more if they like what they're doing and they are, uh, and again, they're curious to uh, know what, uh, how it's going to turn out at the end. And uh, therefore, you know, uh, put the time and the effort into what they do besides the payroll. And, right. and um, this is something that I think applies very much on, on, on also on commercial uh, um, projects like the one I'm doing now. Um, it's, it, Let me ask you this. I, I have a, kind of a, I know we're, we've been gone, going for about an hour and 10 minutes. I don't want to like, take too much of your time. Yeah. Um, so off of that point that you're mentioning about, you know, um, squeezing more than what your capacity is and, and, um, and that being something that you were hired based on. So I'm curious about two things. Uh, one is what... How did it come to, to how do you think your, your current collaborators, your producers uh, knew that this is, uh, this is like uh, an extra kind of the extra sauce that you can bring to the project? And, and maybe even more, you know, kind of generally, can you, can you kind of briefly describe what happened, you know, after Flamingo Pride and, and from, you know, that moment on until you, you were in a position where you're being offered to direct a feature animated film? Um, let me see if I can... Uh, address all Something. of that. <laughs> uh, yeah, after the after Flamingo Prize was released, um, I had a I was out of school and uh, had to decide in which uh, way to go, and there were like, a couple of options, and and I ended up choosing this one just because it was the one that enabled me to keep on working with the same people uh, keep on working for, uh, you know, it's people that, uh, it's a, it's, this is something that is quite uh, unique and uh, like, you know, uh, having a core team that works back to back uh, over a course of a long time and uh, developing like, you know, uh, uh, basically uh, um, working methods and, 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 and basically a routine that uh, allows um, added value to become relevant. Right. Uh, this is something I think that also the producers found attractive. And, yeah. um, well, basically, uh, it is. And it, Based on what? How, how did they know? Did they see Flamingo Pride and know that? Or did they did they hire you on other projects and see you, how you work together as a team? Or what was the... No, it was basically the, the, the success of the shorts, I guess. And uh, also um, how the uh, end result looked like comparing to how much we had. I think that was actually like the more attractive um, aspect of the whole thing from the producer's point of view. And uh, I guess the hope was to see uh, if we can try to do the same on a bigger scale. Um, you also did a short after Flamingo Pride, yeah. uh, another Our Wonderful Nature, I uh, think the chameleon, right? Yeah. 
Um, why did you do that? You know, <laughs> what was the... Well, the, we had a, just like founded Lumatic and uh, we needed to get our names out, out there somehow and had a little bit of a, a budget um, that we needed to do something with. And um, the whole work on Dragon Rider was just like in you know, the early stages. And we just figured like, okay, we should basically um, go ahead and, 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 and do something short and funny that we can put our names on and just like, you know, release uh, and just like start getting attention uh, that would eventually hopefully generate jobs and, uh, and, uh, and work. And, uh, so at that time, Dragon was already being <clears throat> kind of like in, in, con- in conception stages? Yeah, well, it was more that they're looking for a project phase that's ended up taking so long. And mm. so, yeah, we practically used the, the, our know-how and we just wanted to just like show our abilities and uh, do something independent, like something that is not a job for someone, something that we can just basically say, this is us and this is what we can do and uh, and then again we had like different options we thought like you know we just like start thinking about what could be fit this format good and uh, also the budget frame and yeah just start opening old sketchbooks and then I found this uh, this chameleon sketch in one my in like an old <laughs> sketchbook like uh, this little joke which is basically nothing more than just a little visual joke and uh, what, what was the, was it, what was the sketch like? Do you remember what was it? Did it have a joke in the sketch? Uh, basically, four drawings or something, not not more than that. You know, just like a chameleon eating bugs every time bigger until it gets so big that it gets yanked off the branch. It's basically, <laughs> it's just that. You know, it's a very small, small little right. joke. And then we figured, okay, yeah, yeah, we can actually animate this. This is just like this could be fun to that to do that. And the thought of actually packing it as a second, our wonderful nature, just came later on during the process. We just figured, <laughs> really? oh yeah, yeah, it was it was just meant to be this uh, one shot joke, you know, beginning, middle, and end. Then we said, hey, wait a second, you know, if you just like wrap it up as a second, our wonderful nature, maybe we could just like you know use it together with the first one as a pitch for something more. You know, we just figured like you know we just yeah. gonna benefit from from having that like this did you ever did it ever make you consider you know maybe you know in in a hypothetical situation where someone likes it so much wants to create an entire season or you would end up going back and redoing the first one or like you know uh bringing it up to speed technologically uh personally (laughs) i don't think i wanted like to do any movie more than one time um but uh yeah like basically it's like uh it's just trying to get some options open and uh, right. you can basically do this develop this further into like a series format or you can develop this for further even into like a feature format if you want to like you know some, do something like you know planet earth sort of parody thing um, yeah I mean like it's just good to have those options open and you know nature being the inspiration source that means like you know it's, it's endless you can always come up with little stories I find it really inspiring, you know, that in that you already have like, you know, the connection and the and the uh, and the potential opportunity to make a feature film and uh, you're actively working at it, you know, even though it might have taken a while, it, you know, but you and still you you t- took off 
some of your time. You knew you had a little bit of budget. Was that like a, a grant money, like a government type grant or something? You that mean you were using or? now on, on this project? Or, no, no, I'm talking about uh, a wonderful nature, the, the chameleon. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was basically um, there is this thing here in the in Germany um, that uh, it's, it's basically like yeah, it's a foundation, uh, but it, it basically uh, the principle is that you can translate the success of one short film into a budget of the next production. Uh, that means like, you know, oh, after the film went out, go, goes out and, on a festival tour that could also last up to two years, and you could basically collect points and uh, some festivals are, you know, valid and, uh, and, and then, you know, eventually you can come up with the points that you have and say, hey, you know, uh, this entitles me to a certain cut of a certain budget that is basically uh, has to be given out uh, annually. So this uh, is, uh, yeah, this is mind blowing. I think for anyone who you know who's, who lives in LA and and is and knows how you know things work here, which are very different. I mean, yeah, in a way, you, tr- you can you can translate your success of one short to to another project potentially you know but it's it's always based on market value you know it's yeah. like if you're short if, if someone believes in the market in you know yeah. in the profit and in your case it's over there it feels like it, it opens the gate to a lot of like non uh, entertain you know no non-entertainment which, type project which, which usually which is usually the case i mean like basically it's a, it's all goes under the title of a cultural development like you know this is basically budgets that the government uh, you know, it's basically taxpayers' money that is being invested yeah. in culture, and a part of that is going is basically going down this way, which means like right. you know, it introduces uh, encouraging people to keep on doing like short films that, which basically have no you know uh, commercial value, and uh, right. and uh, and then you know like uh, by doing that you just keep on knows something going and some people can actually like live like this i know i don't know a lot of people that end up choosing to live from that like you know from one short project to the next but uh, yeah some people actually do and uh, yeah mm. but basically you are aiming it depends it really depends on what uh, my my sort of my films are always had a sort of like you know more like you know trying to appeal to audience and uh, resemble somehow something that you would uh, consider commercial and uh, so that but the cool thing with you, I find, is that it's not out of necessity. Like you, you, if you, at least as long as you want to, as long as you're okay living in, in, in Germany and in Berlin, uh, you could choose to do things that you, you know, just things that are not necessarily uh, commercial. Whereas here, I think, or, if, you know, in other places in the world, you basically are doomed, dooming yourself to like uh, financial death if you, if you go about deciding to make only, you know, uh, artistic kind of uh, self-expressive films. In this case, it seems like you're lucky in that, yeah. or it seems like it, it's out of out of choice and not necessarily out of necessity. Yeah, well, I mean, like um, the uh, Germany itself, like you know, it offers. If it, it, it's all relative, you know. So if I compare to, for example, like the like the conditions here to the condition back in Israel, I can say, okay, this is a, a Germany ha, ha, offers way more, you know, because I know some people that are working in the film 
in the field in Israel and yeah in Israel yeah. it's just a budget thing you know there's just no budgets and uh, and when you do animation you know it's just like a lot of labor and uh, it's gonna cost money and right. uh, if you only have so much money that means you can only thrive so high and uh, that's kind of like you know what it all what it's all about then so in that sense the Germany has way more to offer but if you com- if I compare Germany to the states and um, especially now when I'm doing a, pro- a commercial project uh, that is basically aimed for the big screen and uh, basically is supposed to also be like um, hopefully it's going to be successful um, if you compare uh, just budget wise like you know uh, what's going on here to to uh, similar uh, uh, productions uh, in the state there is no comparison like uh, we're still talking about uh, indie budget uh, basically uh, if uh, in, the, in that sense and right. uh, and uh, and again it's just a relative thing like uh, of course we won't be able to uh, match american standards in that sense because uh, you just need uh, the money for that um, what is uh do you know what what a kind of standard american animated film costs nowadays is that like more than a hundred million dollars or something i don't know so like, but if you are if you're, if you're just basically up there in that in that neighborhood uh it's the distance is just so big from where we are that it almost feels as if we're doing just another short film just a bit longer this time <laughs> uh, really wow it, it really does in a way you know because uh capacities uh, are always limited also when doing a big studio film you know also there where you know we spare no expenses and you know uh, uh, no quality loss and uh, of course it's always uh, comes down to uh, how much money do we have how much time how much people all that it's just uh, right. the conditions in that sense for these sort of projects in the states are significantly better uh, just because the whole field was invented in America and the best people in the world are working there and the industry is basically uh, um, the, the, the conditions are created for this, this kind of work and you have like you know decades of uh, accumulated experience that uh, flow into this project so um, what we have here is basically a, um, a chance to, to, to try to do something along the lines uh, using the uh, local capacities well I gotta say if you're you know uh, based on your track record You know it seems like you're capable it's definitely based on you know the the shorts you did and flamingo pride um having accomplished so many like technical feats and you know and you you've been pat on the back by by those exact people by people at Pixar and all over the place in in l a for you know for the technical kind of uh mastery that that you uh you know uh, was was put on display in that film um so i'm I'm just saying no. You know, no pressure, but uh, there's, I, I would say I have high expectations from what's to come in, in this feature film. I think it's going to be mind-blowing. Wow. Um, so going to have to live and you see. Know, <laughs> yeah, hopefully. I, I definitely hope I will stay alive and see it. It's, uh, I'm very excited about it. Do you know uh, when it's supposed to be out? Well, the planned release date is uh, end of 2019. Um Basically, uh, around the corner in animation time. Uh, <laughs> right. And, and uh, 
and yeah, like you know, but still there's a ridiculous amount of work that still needs to be done. Um, it's basically yeah, and I'm curious to see how 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 it's gonna be received when it's out. And again, what uh, is the biggest? Yeah, sorry. What is the biggest uh, difference between this feature, you know, working on on uh, Dragon Rider versus, let's say, Flamingo Pride or or the second uh, Wonderful Nature project for you? Like, what would you say is the biggest kind of, uh, you know, new new fact about this experience? Well, basically, that we don't have control over everything. Uh, really? Yeah. Well, it's like uh, we are working for, we were hired for this job. We are working with partners that uh, were chosen for us, and uh, we gonna, you know, it's just like uh, um, eventually. Um, that is exactly what the. Uh, I mean, just, just it's very like in just for example, you know, like. Uh, these sort of productions work with the best when they're done under one roof. Uh, this is unfortunately right. impossible here due to different uh, conditions that, uh, that basically you can make these kind of films here only on, under certain conditions. And uh, one of the conditions is basically tearing up the production and, and, and having it done like in different places. And then we ha- when you have different studios involved, each studio have their own way of work and their own philosophy and all that, all understanding of things. And, and, and the bigger the distance is, the, 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 the bigger like, you know, communication becomes more and more challenging. And um, and this is something that is definitely new in that sense. And uh, and uh, I'm thinking like you know, is this absolutely necessary? You know, because actually, um, if you have one show being done under one roof, then you get basically then it's the easiest to get actually like you know decent results. And uh, right. it's always, you know, you always compromise on everything. Uh, it's just that these sort of compromises are seem, in a way, unnecessary, even though they practically are. And there's no way to change the rules or to kind of work it in a way uh, that would, uh, you know, not, you would get. Not unless you uh, find a way to get the money to do it all in one place, right. you know. And yeah, it's, yeah, it's totally. basically it's yeah. basically all coming coming down to that to the, the fact that you know in order to finance this you know you you need to basically base the whole thing on uh, on, on on an existing success let's say the novel in this case and you have to include like some international partners and you have to divide it on like you know because you cannot some of the grants are uh, basically uh, um, local so that means like you know if they put in money they expect that money to be spent in a certain region and uh, all of these sort of um, practical um, um, you know things that make just life more difficult than it has to be if you're just looking at uh, the work and nothing else Uh, right Wow. Yeah, but that's okay. But besides that, I mean, the the scale, the sheer scale of things seems like even if you did have everyone on the same roof, would you think it would have been, uh, it would have still been, like I would say, uh, my my just uh, expectation would be that if when you when, when you do a film with a hundred crew members or you know hundred artists versus you know, I'm sure you had quite a few less people. 
quite fewer people on uh, Our Wonderful Nature, for instance, yeah. or Flamingo Pride right. than you do on this one. Uh, does that seem like a, a new challenge to you or does that feel pretty just a, a, just a question of like scaling up what you already did? Well, I, I don't know exactly how many people work on the show at the moment and I for sure haven't met all of them. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, well, basically we're still wrapping up the animatic now. So uh, um, it's uh, my most of my focus is still on like you know getting the story uh, as tight and as good as possible. And yeah. uh, and then yeah, I'm gonna have to switch and start like you know working with some people that I partly know and partly don't. Um, yeah, that's it's definitely different when you have to you know when you have a, like a big team and of people that are working remote sometimes and only concentrating on certain issues and uh, how to do you how, plan on, yeah do you plan on going to meet those people at some point like go and you know shake hands have a beer with with the crew and stuff to talk you know before you guys go into like more production you know kind of well you know, the grind <laughs> we are grinding and uh yes you are grinding. <laughs> and it's gonna be a bit more than a beer and a handshake it's uh, it's gonna be yeah. like you know a close intense work together and uh, the sooner the better we are, we are basically animating already Oh, okay. Wow. That's exciting. It is. I mean, like, uh, this is just like a, a, an, an unfortunate o- uh, overlap between production, pre-production and production. And uh, it's, it's basically it's not a very pleasant thing to, to, to basically uh, invent the, the shots and produce them at the same time. Um, so we are going to hopefully wrap it up until the end of the month and then concentrate only on execution unfortunately a lot of overlap yeah i guess i don't know if this is normal or not i have no clue but i guess like you know overlaps are yeah always always uh, somehow a part of 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 big any big production and to a certain extent that can be also a healthy thing like you know let's say working on script and design at the, t- the same time is something that really can like you know these two uh, creatively speaking you can those two fields can actually uh, nourish each other and uh, you can actually like you know improve your writing by looking at some like uh, visual development and the other way around uh, but uh, when it comes to uh, planning and executing, uh, like basically when you're going from like uh, uh, wrapping up story and going into like you know actual shot production, it's uh, you know it's just uh, something that um, you want to just uh, get over with as soon as possible. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, I mean it's. Uh... We've talked for a while now, and and, and it's uh, fascinating. I can keep going for hours, um, but I won't because <laughs> I respect your time. That's good. And uh, we can always, uh, you know, talk more in in the future. I'm sure there's going to be way more to talk about. You know. M- as as you kind of continue and uh, near the end of your production. Yeah, sure. Um, I uh, I wanted to um, ask you. I mean. Usually I, I, you know, at this point in the podcast, I, I, uh, I ask about, you know, what's next for you, but I know what's next for you <laughs> to finish this damn thing yeah, that's uh, and, 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 uh, knock it out of the park, which I have a, a pretty good feeling about, uh, 
you know, uh, being the case. Um, what is, uh, you know, um, a, kind of a good tip or, or advice that you, you would give to, to anyone who's, you know, might be studying anim- animation or, you know, coming with, uh, with a background like yours and, and kind of wants to, wants to direct or wants to be, you know, wants to, want to be, be in that position that you're in? Yeah, it's a good question. I guess like, um, uh, finish what you started, you know, that's, yeah, that's a good tip. Uh, there's nothing more <laughs> sad than like, you know, uh, starting working on an animation project and then just like stopping in the middle and then you have a half finished something lying around a draw. That's, that's not a good thing. So yeah. do you have any of those? No, no, I, I do really? not, no, I, I do not intend to you start. Never start. You never, you never left anything midway. You always finish what you start. Uh, if I go for it, yeah, I'll try to finish it. Yeah. And because I don't want to th- even think about like, you know, how, what, it's gonna mess up my mind. <laughs> it's just like basically. Right. Uh, but you, but you have ideas that you've developed to a certain extent, but didn't go through yeah, in terms of like sure. actually. Um, I mean, I know a few. I, I know of one <laughs> that I that I that I love with the with the mice. I think. Yeah. The mice that. Yeah. The serenading mouse. <laughs> yeah, there's a couple. Um, sure, you can, you can, uh, but that's a sketch, you know. It's, a, it's like a, it's like a, it's like a sketch in a sketchbook that took a little longer right. to create. Um, basically, <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a, it's. I think it's an important thing, like you know, because once you go into animation and you don't know exactly what, how you are going to, you, you gotta have to be like you know, kind of like understand what your, where your passion is or what you are, what you're passionate about and make sure that you uh, uh make uh, you pay attention to that because it's easy to drift away and yeah. uh, and uh, then um yeah if you actually want to direct then you're going to have to start finish and then release and get some feedbacks in order to start to get the hang of what it means because yeah. doing is one thing and showing is the other and it's the two sides of the same coin and uh, you're gonna have to go through this process of like you know actually going through whatever it is that a project requires and getting it to the point that you say okay now it's done and then uh, getting it out and see what happens and uh and then uh, do it again, <laughs> you know. So basically, like you have to, you have to put your your ideas to the test. You have to, you have to test them in the real world. And uh, if if you don't, you know, it, it doesn't matter if you do it. If if you don't actually show it and get the feedback, you well, can never be better. You know, you can't create in a vacuum, right? Yeah. Well, you know, it's a, I guess it's individual what people you know consider you know important. Uh, is is it success? Is it uh, money? Is it uh, is it like a recognition? Uh, I don't. A lot of animators don't tend to to search for spotlights, <laughs> which is something that maybe goes with, with the job. And uh, nevertheless, uh, this form of entertainment is uh, is uh, still uh considered um uh very uh, significant when it comes to to commercial success and uh, and basically commercial value just because uh, it's, well, it, 
it's aiming for kids, and that means there's always going to be a demand. Uh, right. And then uh, also, it, it's it's very it's very expensive to make, so you have to yeah, you have to justify yeah. it in a way, That's even a, if you would do it in Germany. Yeah. Well, no, full CG, uh, like you know, uh, like uh, feature length uh, full CG is pretty much the most expensive form of cinema there is. <laughs> um, and, uh, have you ever thought? I mean, I, I had that had that thought. Have you ever thought that you know deciding to you know to be to to go f- and make tell stories in three D is not the most efficient way of becoming a better film storyteller? Yeah. <laughs> like over time, because because it takes so long to make a, a short film that you know if if it takes you two years to make a five minute short, then how are you ever going to be ready? You know. <laughs> to to make a long one you know if, if you don't do if, as much you know enough to to yeah. learn to become better of course in your case it's easy because you know no matter what you'll do it's going to be great i know but. <laughs> again there are no guarantees i'm kind of like you know also curious to, to see like you know how all of the things that i've learned and experience and the decisions that were made the creative decisions how they are gonna come across later on and um, again I'm not producing this one so basically I'm not the one who's uh, risking everything I'm just the one that puts in the years <laughs> and the time and oh, the yeah. effort uh, <laughs> you just you know you just sacrifice your life that's all <laughs> <laughs> something like that it's, uh, it's just one person there you know that you, you put it on a, yeah uh, but, the, but again it's the curiosity that still drives me and that's the, also like you know the you, know, you gotta keep your if you if you're not curious about how it's going to turn out at the end, then, you know, you're probably going to stop in the middle. And um, yeah. and uh, that's just sad when that happens because, you know, even if you're confronting the biggest doubts and you cannot help yourself from thinking, ah, oh, man, I'm just working on it and it's just going to be so shitty. Go ahead, finish it. Let it be shitty. <laughs> Let it put your name on it, yeah. put it out there, and then you know, and then you see what it really is because you're the last person in the world that can be objective uh, yeah. regarding your own work. Not to mention, uh, if you're working in the field of animation and you end up like you know, putting years of your life into one project, I mean, you're not the same person at the end, <laughs> you exactly. And there's the only way to find out is by finishing it you know that and and the only way to answer that question and, yeah. and if you don't you know you'll never know you know you you think your projects you know you, you like you say you think your project might suck but you know you have to have to it has to exist first in order to suck you know you know it might suck it might not anyways you are gonna be the last person in the in the, in the world that is can like ob- evaluate this objectively because you are the one doing it so, I'm sure you. I'm sure you do appreciate, though, that you know, a wonderful nature is freaking funny. Like, I'm. Sure, I, I can't imagine you watching it and not laughing, <laughs> or maybe you, you do. I don't know. Well, I know. I, I started crying at a certain point, but that just happens. Like you know, <laughs> whenever you tell a joke over the course of two years, uh, you are not laughing so much at the end. From the joke. Yeah, but I mean, now it's been like, you know, probably about, what, nine years since you finished yeah. or even more, like 10 years. Uh, yeah, I mean, I hope that you can enjoy some of it to a certain extent. I, I, it makes me smile. <laughs> <laughs> well, I really appreciate your, your time and it was fantastic talking to you. What's your 
Is there a way for people to find you online? Do you have a website, uh, social media handles or something you want to share? Yeah, no, uh, you can always check our studio website. It's uh, Lunatic. Uh, it's spelled L-U-M-A-T-I-C. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Dot com? Yeah. Um, no, it's dot X, Y, Z. Guess why? Um <laughs> Uh, why? Because it's Berlin? No, or? no, it's, the, it's those axes, you know, we're using 3D work. Uh, oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, why that? Kind of, kind of, kind of nerdy. Uh, yeah, but you can just basically Google us <laughs> and find it uh, quite easily. And um, right. if uh, we're all under lumaticstudio.com. And, um, right. yeah, and uh, it's quite easy because uh, my name is um, well I don't I don't know there's not too too many people call this so it's kind of easy to find me as well online like uh, type your name and you'll find <laughs> do, do, are you on social media do you have a you, you know, you yeah, have Twitter and stuff like that yeah I'm on Facebook and I'm on, I'm on a bunch of other things but I don't really have the time to use any of that uh, yeah. So, so yeah, but uh, yeah, it's it's usually like uh, I have like four or five different uh, communication uh, platforms open, <laughs> so people that uh, want to reach out, they can easily do that and find me. It's just like awesome. Basically, the time, the time uh, that uh, right. Uh, yeah. So if if you try to reach out to Tomer and he can and he doesn't get back to you. Because he's busy. Yeah, something like he's that. He's doing. <laughs> something, something and, like that. Uh, and you guys should be doing too. <laughs> and definitely finish your project. Don't 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 make Tomo cry. Don't leave your projects hanging. <laughs> yeah. No, I won't be cry- I won't be crying for other reasons. But you know, uh, so, <laughs> but, so, but it's, it's your tears that I'm more like you know thinking of. Like a, yeah. Oh, that's very really nice of you. I'm sure people appreciate this. <laughs> I mean, you, you, yeah, you're you're hopeless. You're just gonna cry your way to the grave, yeah. probably. But I, um, I think I'm at the point that uh, <laughs> that uh, you know, uh, if you are uh, if you are lacking water, you know, you better hold on to your tears, huh? something like that. Uh, I don't know. I'm trying to think about like some some uh, wise saying. Uh, I can't really think of anything <laughs> wise to say. <laughs> Ah. <laughs> All right. Well, um, it was a pleasure. Yeah. So, uh, Same here. Thank you so much. This was episode three of the Post Post Podcast. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, just a reminder, if you want to not miss new episodes, um, I've been rolling them out every week. It seems like it'll keep going for a little while at least because I have five more episodes recorded. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and Stitcher soon. And there will be a website, I promise. Just wait. This is David Dali, and this was the Post Post Podcast. Post Post Podcast.